spirit of truth in our speaking, our listening and our thinking, lead us into all truth. Amen. Some words from that reading, Acts chapter 2 and verse 5. There were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Well done, Helen. I didn't envy Helen her task this morning. That lesson from Acts is far from easy to read. And one of the trickier aspects of it is that list of nations that Luke includes. It's not only that we don't talk about Parthians or Elamites every day. The structure of the sentence is not a straightforward list. Some nationalities are named. Others are described as residents of a place. The Romans, for some reason, are called visitors. And then Luke is curiously specific about which bit of Libya is represented. And, which is odd, either this is only a subsection of the language groups in the crowd, or Luke's earlier comment is an exaggeration when he talks about every nation under heaven. But, and no reader who's wrestled with it will thank me for this, perhaps we don't need to worry too much about the detail of the list. The point that Luke makes is clear enough. This is a crowd which comprises a great variety of language and, it would seem, ethnicity, both Jews and converts to Judaism. The miracle of Pentecost is that the gospel is proclaimed and is heard in a tremendous diversity that's hard for us to imagine. But in the expression of diversity, we're pointed to a fundamental unity because the text that Peter then takes for his sermon is a promise to all people. We see what is different about those who make up this crowd in order to see what they have in common. This is humankind. Later this week, we'll mark the anniversary of the death of George Floyd. Churches together in Britain and Ireland call us to a day of reflection and a service will be aired online on Tuesday and broadcast on Radio 4 next Sunday. I gather that among the contributors is a former president of the Methodist Conference, Indigit Bogle. Over the last year, I've heard Indigit a number of times talk about racial injustice or, as he puts it, the nonsense of racism. His point is that there is one race to which we all belong, the human race. And to categorize people and to treat them differently according to the color of their skin makes no sense whatsoever. This morning, we join that crowd at Pentecost as human beings, as individuals who share one human nature, but happen to have been born each in a particular place. In this, we are one. Having been born and raised in a particular place, we join the crowd with our own ways of communicating and understanding. The Pentecost miracle was that in different languages, they heard one message. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, they said. Somehow, in the midst of what must have seemed cacophony, the gospel was proclaimed and the gospel was received. 
Tomorrow, Methodists, as we've heard throughout the world, celebrate the Aldersgate experience of John Wesley, when he felt his heart was strangely warmed. We give thanks as Methodist people for the beginnings of the movement in the 18th century. But that isn't to pretend that Methodism suddenly sprang to life that moment in May 1738. The origins of the Methodist Church are much more complex than that. The phenomenal ministry of John Wesley sits alongside that of his brother Charles, whose own faith had been marvellously strengthened a few days earlier on the Feast of Pentecost. And it sits alongside the ministry of a number of others in Europe and in America in what we call the Evangelical Revival. The good news that changes lives was being received by different people in different places and finding slightly different expressions. Different groups, not all connected to the Wesleys, came to be known as Methodist. The complex origins of what was to become Methodism in all its variety today is a microcosm of the diverse history and tradition of the whole Christian church. And today provides a snapshot of that. All over the world, the good news that God has poured out God's spirit on God's people is being heard. In some places, it's heard in church buildings, in others through broadcast media or online services. In some places, where they're not under restrictions, it's heard in the singing of choir and congregation. In others, it's received in reverent and profound silence. In some places, high and elaborately choreographed ceremonial surrounds the proclamation, while in others, simple, informal, or even bubbled worship gets the message across. Some will hear it today in the language of an earlier generation, others in their everyday speech, still others in ecstatic, charismatic tongues, but all will hear the good news of what God has done in this. We are one. And we remain one. Although, of course, we go our several ways. There were in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And within days or weeks, there would be God-fearing Jews in every nation under heaven who had been in Jerusalem that day. Pilgrim festivals, as the Festival of Weeks was a pilgrim festival. Pilgrim festivals gather people who come to express their identity, to celebrate their faith, and then to return to their homes. When I was a child, we would go back to Sheffield, where my parents had grown up at Pentecost. In those days, there was a great Whit Monday parade. We would join the congregation at my grandparents' church and walk with them to one of the municipal parks, behind a banner and accompanied by a band. Just as members of other churches in other parts of the city did the same, so all converged in the park for a great act of worship. Looking back, I wonder how many of those people did as we did and travelled a distance to be there. How many saw it as one of the highlights of the year? How many were there every year as part of a cycle that demanded no more thought than eggs at Easter or fireworks on November the 5th? How many, perhaps the young, were dragooned by parents or peers when they would sooner have been elsewhere on a bank holiday? How many, like the young hustlers, 
were not at first entirely sure what was going on. And how different was that from the crowd at Pentecost that day in Jerusalem? Why ever they were there, from wherever they had come, whatever they would do next, we meet them in that moment as God's people whose identity is strengthened. The wonders of technology mean that I can be reasonably certain that this is the largest number to which I've ever preached at Pentecost. But one of the strange things about this medium is not to be able to see any of you. Whether you're listening to this at home or on the move, alone or in company, live or on catch-up, via laptop or phone or tablet or whatever, you listen as one of God's people and God is calling you to know more of the wonders of God's love for you and for all people. What that means will be different for each one of us. But that it has meaning is true for us all. In this, we are one. In this, we are one. Enriched by our many languages and ethnicities, but one in our common humanity. In this we are one, attuned to different patterns of prayer and listening, but one in the good news that we have heard. In this we are one, each in our own place, but one in our calling to be God's people. In this we are one, as the Spirit heals our divisions, opens our ears and renews us in our vocation. In this we are one. Amen.